Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory@stevenscreekchurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning and welcome to Stevens Creek Church. We're so glad that you're here today. I'd like to welcome all those in our South Campus. I'd like to welcome those in our Grovetown campus, those watching online, those in our Dream Center experience, and those watching on demand. It's great to have you in church today. What a beautiful week it has been. Most of the week has been pretty good. There's been some highs and there's been some lows. You know, uh, yesterday I discovered for the first time in my life what border bash meant. You know, for years, Augusta sponsored the border bash. I felt it yesterday. I want to say congratulations to all the Georgia fans here. I just want to be, be the one in Grovetown, in South Augusta. Y'all have, let the dogs have their day, okay? All right. But I will say this. Yesterday afternoon, I'm thinking like, it was pretty, it was a, it was a beat down, okay? Uh, it, it was a painful, painful day. So, you know, when you go through things like that, you just, you need some encouragement maybe from the Bible. And so yesterday afternoon, I thought, you know what, maybe I'll just pick up the Bible and see what the Bible has to say. And so the score was 48 to 7, so I turned to Psalm chapter 48 and verse 7. You can't make this up. You destroyed them. You destroyed them like the mighty ships of Tarshish, shattered by a powerful east wind. I thought, I wonder what it says in the message translation. It said, you smashed the ships of Tarshish with a storm out of the SEC East. This is true. The next verse says, we heard about it, and then we saw it with our own eyes. You cannot make that up. So for some of you Georgia fans, it'll be the first verse you memorize in a long time. But that is the Bible. Blessed be the name of the Lord. <laughs> okay, I realize a lot of you are not Georgia fans, South Carolina fans. You don't even care about college football. This is just our one week that we can go back and forth. But you know what? For you, I like to start with something funny. Changing gears, do you hear about the lady that showed up at prompt care because she needed to see a doctor? And uh, she, they assigned her one of these young doctors. You know, those of you of us who are older, you know, you go to a doctor and all of a sudden you look at him and that man, he looks like he's in high school. That was how she was feeling. And she, he, she walked, um, she was placed in the room and a few minutes later he walked in. Four minutes later, she comes running out of that exam room, down the hall, screaming. And an older doctor stopped her and, and calmed her down, took her into an exam room, and she told him everything that was happening. He ran and found that young doctor and said, what are you thinking? Miss Terry is 63 years old. She has four children, and she has seven grandchildren. Why in the world did you tell her she was pregnant? He said, well, it cured her hiccups, didn't it? <laughs> mm -mm. 
Well, today we're starting a brand new series called Harvest. And over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at milestone moments that have taken place in the life of our church. And also, I believe, they'll speak to milestone moments that you experience. All of us have them. All of us have milestone moments. Milestone moments are those moments that you experience um, something significant in your life that you mark it. It is the moment that you may remember for the rest of your life. I think about it in my own life. I think about maybe spiritual experiences. I remember the day that I gave my life to Jesus Christ. It's, it's a milestone moment. I'll always remember that. I think about the day I was called in the ministry. I think about the day that uh, Patty and I were married. It was something I'll remember the rest of my life. I think about when uh, each one of our four children were born. I'll, I'll remember that. Or maybe the day we started this church. These milestone moments in your life, in my life, they're, they're moments that we will remember. They, they help us tell a story. They tell our life story. You know, in our nation, we have milestone moments. September 11, 2001, it's a milestone moment. We will always remember that. We, uh, we marked 21, the 21st anniversary of that attack just last week. It changed our nation forever. I think in the future, we'll look back at the coronavirus virus as a milestone season in our nation's history. As we look at the virus and then how we managed that virus, it was a milestone. Now, milestones can be good and milestones can be bad. But they are experiences that are so significant that you mark them. I am praying that this series will be a milestone moment for you. That it will be such a spiritual moment that you mark that, that you remember that as you move forward in your life. When we open up the pages of the Bible, there are milestone moments throughout the Bible. Today I want to talk to you about the, the time when the children of Israel, they were freed from Egyptian slavery and they journeyed toward uh, freedom in the promised land. Moses led the children of Israel, that's like two million people, out of Egyptian slavery through the desert and to the edge of the promised land. Now, at this point in the story, in Joshua chapter 3, Moses is dead. And his young assistant, Joshua, has stepped up to lead the people into the promised land. But to do that, he first had to prepare the people to meet with God. And therefore, we pick up the story in Joshua chapter 3, begin reading with verse 1, and we're going to stay in this chapter uh, throughout the morning. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out and went to the Jordan, where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God. Now, let's pause just for a moment right there. The Ark of the Covenant. Now, what is that? The Ark of the Covenant was like this spiritual chest, the sacred chest that carried in it the Ten Commandments, those two stone tablets that Moses had received on the mountain. It also had Aaron's rod that budded, and it also had a jar of manna, Manna is what God fed the children of Israel every day while they uh, journeyed through the wilderness. 
So, verse 3, giving orders to the people, it said, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests who are Levites carrying it, notice this, you are to move out from your positions and you are to follow the ark. So the point is, when, uh, when God moves, you should move. When God moves, when God speaks, that's when you should move. Next verse. I love this verse. Then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. You'll know which way to go since you've never been this way before. You know, when we look at our lives, most of us lived very predictable lives. Most of us live very predictable lives. I mean, uh, tomorrow morning you're going to get up and you're going to go to work and you'll probably get up at the same time that you get up every day. You'll work all day. You'll come home. You'll get something to eat. Then you'll turn on the television and then you'll go to bed and uh, probably at the same time that you go to bed every night and then the next day you'll get up and do the same thing. And by and large, every day looks like that. Until it doesn't. Until you get to that moment where there is a crossroads, where there is a a looming decision, there is something that happens, and you realize you've never faced this before, you've never dealt with this before, you've never been there before. And you're wondering, what do I do now? How do I handle this? And, and all of it's not bad. Sometimes it's very good. Sometimes you may be given several positive options. Maybe you have several jobs that you can choose from. And you're just trying to figure out which one do I go to. We all have milestone moments where we stand at this crossroads and maybe on the inside we feel, I don't know what to do here. I've never been here before. Over the next few weeks, I'll just pepper the, ser- the sermons with stories from our past as we mark our, tw- our 35 years together as a congregation. Here's one of those moments. It was 2003. It was just three years after, three years after we moved into our first building on Stevens Creek Road. And so the church was still developing and still growing at this point, and, and it's an exciting time. But it was during this time that our youth pastor, who is Bobby Smith, who'd been serving with me for 12 years, he came to me and said, Marty said, I believe that God has called me to start a church. I said, okay. He said, to start a church in um, Columbia County. I thought, oh, really? And so he shared that, and at that moment... I had to really deal with some internal questions, and I had to struggle with that. So is this a church plant, or is this a church split? And those were real questions. Is this a church plant, or is this a church split? And so I sat down with Bob, and I said, look, here's what we're going to do. We're not going to give the devil a foothold. We're not going to give the devil a foothold where you go and start up a church and people in the community to say, oh, that, that church over there, they must be in trouble. They must be having problems. They must be having a split. I said, we're not going to do that. We're not going to have a, uh, give the devil a foothold, but you and I will sit on the stage together on Wednesday night during our Wednesday night service in those days, and we're just going to tell your story. And we did. 
We told the story. Anybody could ask questions if they wanted to ask questions. Then at the conclusion of that service, we prayed over them. We passed the offering bucket. We collected $30,000, and we gave that to them to start Journey Community Church. And then I said this. I said, anybody in the church, anybody want to go to Journey? You have my blessing. You can go. And so that's how it was. But the challenge was... um, I had no idea so many people would want to go. <laughs> uh, and that, that's true. And, um, and it was one of those interesting seasons in, in our life that, that Bobby asked me to come and, and be a part of one of their first services. And I went, apart, uh, I went and on a Sunday evening and was part of that service. And I'll never forget looking into the eyes of people who so many of those people were my people. I left that service that day, and I drove by Todd's house, and I just pulled into Todd's house. And, um, you know, over the 28 years uh, that we have been working together, Todd has probably seen me cry a handful of times. But I'm telling you, I walked in Todd's house, and when I saw him, I broke down and cried like a baby. Because I just felt this, it was just a something moving, uh, something hurt inside. Now, like I said... A hundred people left that time. But here's the interesting thing. The next Sunday, a hundred new people showed up. We never dropped one person um, in attendance. Uh, They just showed up. Now, our offerings dropped for a season, but it was only a season. And so nearly 20 years later now, Journey Community Church is a strong church, and they're reaching people for Jesus that I would never reach for Jesus. God taught me in that season that his vision for this city is bigger than my vision for the city. I just want you to hear that. God's vision for this city is bigger than our vision. Now, let's bring it a little bit closer to you and to me. God's vision for your life is bigger than your vision for your life. God's vision for your life is bigger. Now, I want you to make this personal, okay? Let's fill in the blanks this way. Say it this way. God's vision for my life is bigger than my vision. I want you to say that. Say, God's vision for my life is bigger than my vision. I will trust him to lead me and guide me as I wait for his plan to unfold. God has a vision for your life. And that vision is bigger than your vision. And you've got to trust him as you wait for it to unfold. Next verse. Then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. But keep a distance of about a thousand yards between you and the Ark of the Covenant. Don't go near it. Now, these folks had been wandering in the desert for 40 years. And finally, they had this opportunity to, uh, to step over into the promised land. They can see the promised land. They're on this edge of this milestone moment. They're on this edge of this miraculous uh, uh, season in their lives. 
And what does Joshua say? He says, you've got to get prepared. You've got to get prepared to meet God. You've got to get prepared for his blessings in your life. We drop down to the next verse. It says, Joshua told the people, consecrate. He said, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. The Lord will do amazing things among you. Consecrate yourselves. Prepare yourselves. Prepare yourself for what God has in store for you. He said to consecrate means to to set apart, to dedicate yourself, to give yourself completely. Practically speaking, I see consecration as removing any type of barrier in your life that may offend the heart of God. Moving anything uh, out of your life that may offend the heart of God. And so... Think about it just for a moment. Is there anything in your life that offends God? Any activity, anything that you're doing, any bitterness, anger, whatever that is, is there anything that offends the heart of God? Joshua was was saying, I want you to get serious. I want you to prepare yourself for God's going to show up. God's going to do something amazing. But you got to prepare yourself. Here's the point for you, you and I. I want you to take a personal inventory of your life. I want you to take a personal inventory of your life. Ask God to remove any barrier that hinders his work in your life. Take a personal inventory of your life. Ask God to remove any barrier that hinders his work work in your life. We say this frequently here. God, get the junk out of my life. Cleanse me. Get the junk. Prepare me. And it means to give yourself completely, entirely, to dedicate yourself. So the question is, are you willing to put in the work? Are you willing uh, to go all in? Now, this is a reflective season for Patty and me as we think about the last uh, three-plus decades of serving here. We were having uh, lunch with uh, my youngest son and son-in-law this past week, and uh, we were just talking about what it's like to start a church. And, and our staff knows, me, uh, uh, knows this statement because they've heard it over and over from me. It's hard to start a church. It's hard. And I would say to any of you, if God prompts any of you to start a church, you will have my blessing, um, and, uh, and I pray God's anointing on you. But just know this, it's hard. It's hard to start a church because when you start a church, uh, you are putting down a stake in the ground and you're pushing back the darkness because this is a spiritual battle. It is a spiritual warfare. And just like the children of Israel, we'll see in the coming weeks how they took ground in the promised land. We are taking ground. We're taking back from the enemy. So this is a, a spiritual battle. But we were talking about this at lunch, and uh, Patty just said this simply. She said, you know what? We didn't have a plan B. And I thought, you know, that's true. (laughs) We we started the church, and and yes, we we were inexperienced, and we were young, and and we were underfunded. We didn't realize it took money to to do ministry. We passed the plate that first day and got $369, and that's what we lived on that week. 
But the truth of the matter is, we were all, we didn't have a plan B. We only had plan A. We only had plan A. That was it. That was our only plan. Too many people never reach their full potential because they entertain too many options. I want you to let that sit in you. Too many people never reach their full potential because they simply entertain too many options. You can multitask yourself right into mediocrity if you're not careful. But there's something about focus. There's something about dedicating yourself. There's something about consecrating yourself. There's something about understanding who you are and who God has created you to be. You've been uniquely created by God. You've been called by God. Yes, you. You've been called by God. God has created you. He has shaped you. You have spiritual gifts. You have a a heart. You have abilities. Uh, God looks at your personality. God looks at your experiences, and he puts that all together, and all of those things are the things that make up who you are. And I believe that God has a plan for your life. And I want you to consecrate yourself. I want you to dedicate yourself, to to give yourself completely to God's plan for your life. Joshua said, if you'll consecrate yourself, God will do amazing things among you. Now, part of that consecration period may be a spiritual uh, setting apart where you separate uh, yourself from the life you've been living, and you embrace a new life following Jesus. You embrace his principles. You embrace his, um, his teachings. You receive his spirit. You're transformed from the inside out. So that's an important part, that, the part of our preparation. Now, other, uh, in practical ways, preparation for you in uh, this season may be something different. It may be taking extra classes. It may be finding a mentor. It may be finding a, a coach. It may be um, uh, reading certain books or, or walking along a certain path. But this is a season of preparation for you. And I want to encourage you to don't just sit around during this season of preparation, but be busy about uh, growing in your faith, and growing in your abilities. But understand this. There's another group of you that you've been in a preparation phase for a long time. And you've been taking class after class. You've been taking degree after degree. And you've just been studying. You've got, so, you've got uh, growth coaches and life coaches on speed dial. You know, you're always doing something, trying to get better, get better. Let me just say time out. For you, it's time to do something. For you, it's time to take action because success in life requires action. It requires you to step out and to actually do something. I'm telling you, if I had waited until I understood what it meant to start a church before we launched Stevens Creek Church, it may have never got off the ground because 
this project, this church is way above my pay grade. It's way above my abilities. I need a power that is greater than myself. But there comes a point in your life where you have to step out. You have to step out and you have to look to his power and you have to receive his power. You have to step out in faith. So the ch- Joshua and the children of Israel consecrated themselves and they're ready to take their next step. But here's a the problem. They're on the edge of um, the desert. They can see the promised land, but there is the Jordan River in between where they are and the promised land. And there's not a bridge and there's not a ferry boat. It's not practical for 2 million people to swim across the river. So what do you do in that moment? And at this moment, God gives them an opportunity to be a part of something that he is doing. He gives them an opportunity to be a part of this miracle. And this opportunity really becomes a milestone moment in their lives. And ultimately, a milestone moment in the history of the world. We pick it up next verse. Joshua Joshua said to the priest, take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and they went ahead of the people. And the Lord said to Joshua, today, Joshua, I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all of Israel so that they may know that I am with you just as I was with Moses. Tell the priest, tell the priest who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. When you get to the edge of the river, I want you to go stand in the river. Now, you've got to understand, picking up the Ark of the Covenant is like picking up the promises of God. It's putting the promises of God, the presence of God on your shoulders. It's knowing that God is going with you. It's about taking action. He is saying very simply, go stand in the river. Here's what he's saying to you and me. He said, it is time for you to get your feet wet. That's what he told the priest. Hey, bud, it's time for you to get your feet wet. And maybe that's what he's saying to some of you. It is time for you to get your feet wet. Your days of preparation are shifting. Now it's time to take what you've studied about, get your feet wet, and start doing it. Get your feet wet. God does not save a person for that person to sit on the sidelines watching everybody else live their best life, watching everybody else get into the river. There are too many people that sit on the sidelines when it comes to God. They come and they watch this whole story of Stevens Creek and uh, unfold b- before their very eyes. But they're, it's like that they're in the grandstands watching this show or watching this game uh, down on the field when God is saying up into the stadium, said, all right, it's time for you to come on to the playing field and get in the game. Now is your time. Get in the game. Now is your time to say yes to God. A couple of weeks ago, Will Riddle preached here, um, preached a message here, 
And he is an example of somebody that said yes to God. About 10 years ago, he and Suzanne walked uh, into our church at that time, and they were just looking for a place to serve. They were looking for a place to connect. And immediately, they joined a small group and started connecting with folks, and then they started serving. They started serving in, uh, Will started serving on the music team. And then shortly after that, he became a part-time worship pastor. And then he became a full-time youth pastor. All because he said yes to God. Today, he serves and leads over 800 active volunteers in our Next Step ministry. Here's the point. If you are not serving, you are not growing. If you're not serving, you're not growing. It's time to get your feet wet. God has given you gifts. God has given you talents and abilities. Get your feet wet. The priest carried the ark into the river. And the moment that the priest's foot touched the water, the flow of the Jordan stopped at that moment. The miracle did not happen until they stepped their foot into the water. Now, God could have stopped the water just by speaking a word. He could have stopped the water in a number of different ways, but God chose to stop the water by using the priest and by getting them involved in what he was doing. God wants to get you involved in what he's doing. God wants to do miracles through you. Now, we pick up. The story, verse 15. Now, the Jordan is at flood stage during harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, notice this, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethan while the water was flowing down and to the salt sea was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. Now, you can read that, and that's a good story, but let's pause for a moment to understand the geography of this story. Because if you're like me, you can just read right through the, the geography of this story. It said the water piled up at a town called Adam. Well, look at the map here. Adam is a small town about 20 miles north of where they crossed over uh, the Jordan River. Think about that. 20 miles away. Now, the river probably flows, what, let's say five miles an hour. So that becomes almost like a, a math question, doesn't it? How long does it take the water to stop in a 20 miles up river going five miles an hour? So think about it. The priests step over into the water, God did a miracle but they're standing in the water and they don't see the miracle because the actual miracle took place in the town of Adam, which was 20 miles upstream. And so they are standing here, water's still going, water's still going, and the water's still going, but the miracle has already happened. The miracle has happened, but they did not see the miracle. They're just, they can say, oh, we're just here getting our feet wet here. But imagine how they felt hours after patiently waiting, standing there in the Jordan. 
Some of you know exactly how that feels because you've prayed and I believe and you believe that the miracle has happened. But you look around your life and you look around your situation and you don't see any changes. And it is easy in that moment to start doubting. But I'm here to tell you, just to remind you, to keep standing in the river even though you don't see the answer. Just know that God has heard your prayer and that 20 miles up the river, the answer uh, has already happened and it is headed your way. God performed that. Here's the point. God does not only want you to see a miracle, he wants you to be a part of a miracle. God just doesn't want you to see it. He could have said, okay, waters part and right, just like the Red Sea. They could have parted right in front of them, and they could have walked over. I mean, these folks' grandparents had seen it happen that way. But God didn't do it that way. God got them involved in it. When they stepped in the river, it stopped, but it stopped up the, upstream. I just want to say to you that God has a harvest for you. God have a, has a harvest for you. I think we, we chose the name harvest because we understood that Jesus said to the disciples, look into the fields for their white into harvest. But I think it had a dual meaning of fruitfulness. And I just want to say to you today that to those of you that you feel like that you're stuck in the desert, just like the children of Israel for 40 years, and that you've been wandering and you've been wandering, yet you have not seen any change, you have not seen any difference. I want to say to you, don't give up the faith. Continue to believe. Continue to consecrate yourself, to prepare yourself. Continue to stay in faith. And for some of you, today is a day of action. Today is the day to take that step, to go put your foot in the water, to get your feet wet. Today is a day of movement. And we are going to step out even though we don't see the answer close by. We're going to step out because we believe God is already at work. He's already at work in your life. He's already at work in this situation. And I believe he's already at work in this church. Today is a day of harvest. I believe it'll be a day for some of you that in years to come, you'll look back at this as a milestone moment. This is your milestone moment. So are you willing? Are you willing to consecrate yourself and say, Jesus, I'm giving you my life. I'm dedicating my life to you. I give it all to you. I want to pray over you. So to do that, 
Let's all stand together in our South Campus. Let's stand up. Our Grovetown Campus, our Dream Center experience. Yes, stand. I just want to pray over you. And you've walked into this service from a lot of different places. But I believe that God has ordered your footsteps for you to be here and to hear this message today. And I'll just say to you that change is coming. To those of you that have started to doubt if it will ever change. To the point where you're discouraged. I say to you, don't lose hope. But keep your eyes on the prize and keep your eyes focused on the Lord. God has not brought you to this point to see you die in the wilderness or die in the desert. God has brought you this point so that he, you can transition into a new season of your life, into a land of good things. There are some of you that you have convinced yourself that good things are not in your future. That only bad things are in your future. Because you have been a part of a series of bad things and you feel like this is just your life. But I say to you, the old has passed and the new has come. I say to you that in the name of Jesus, Get up and walk. In the name of Jesus, get your feet wet. Because the days ahead are going to be better days. And the Lord is calling you by His Spirit to step out and to walk. Yea, to those of you, run into the presence of the Lord today. Now, I want you to hear that word, and I want you to receive it. God, I receive what you have for me. Let me pray over you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray over our congregation. I pray that the power of your spirit would rest on us. I speak life over you. Those of you that are so down and you're discouraged, I say in the name of Jesus, Satan has no authority over you and we command that his power over your life, over your children's life, over your grandchildren's life, that power of the enemy is broken in Jesus' name. We declare this because we know that God is a generational God, a God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so, God, we claim this generation for you. So come now, Lord, and let your freedom rest upon us and upon our families. I speak life over you, and I speak freedom over you, and I challenge you to receive this in Jesus' name. Say that. I receive what you have for me. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. God bless you today. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to StevensCreekChurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.